You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Let's start off the Rico by congratulating the Giant fans who are listening. Congratulations to the Giants. They shockingly made the playoffs. They shockingly win a playoff game, and they're on to face the Philadelphia Eagles. It did have me thinking briefly, is there any season in the history of the Mets that kind of matches what the Giants are doing? Obviously, 1969 is like the hallmark of miracles i mean they're the miracle mets for a reason they went from losing a hundred games every single season and then all of a sudden out of the clear blue sky they went a hundred games and win the world series so you put that one aside because obviously that's the most shocking met season in history but if you think about it maybe 84 when they went from losing 94 games in 83 to winning 90 games in 84 but they didn't make the playoffs obviously 86 you could kind of feel coming after being in a dogfight pennant race in 85 obviously 88 wasn't a surprise because you're kind of in the midst of the powerful Mets 99 but remember they were in a pennant race in 1998 they actually choked down the stretch of the year that year so really the big shock was that they were good in 97 because they sucked in 96 uh 2006 you sort of felt coming too because they made a big jump in 05 to be sort of in a pennant race. And then 06, they became the best team in the National League. So really, it's 2015. And I looked back at this real quick. The over-under going into the 2015 season for the Mets was 81.5, which I remember thinking at the time was low. I thought the Mets were going to be good in 2015. A year earlier, they won 79 games, so they weren't winning, but you could feel things starting to change. You knew Matt Harvey was coming back from Tommy John. DeGrom was coming off winning rookie of the year. Uh, We went into the season thinking Zach Wheeler was going to pitch. He obviously missed the entire season for Tommy John. We knew about Syndergaard. We were pumped about Darno. Like, I remember going into 15 with a lot of hope. I thought they'd at least compete for a wild card spot, but obviously they overachieved from that, and they won 90 games. But how about this factoid? Before we get into the current Mets, and there's a lot to get into today, we'll talk about the fallout from Correa, the fourth outfielder they should go after, some trade ideas, some bullpen ideas, the international free agent signings, um, and thinking about next year. But before we get to that, the biggest jump in win total in the history of the New York Mets, obviously, was 1969. They improved by 27 games when they went from 73 wins to 100 wins. But if I asked you right now, Pete, besides that year, where and what season was the biggest jump in wins, what would be your guess? I think it might have to be last year, this 2022. Yeah, Yeah, it was last year. 
They went from 77 wins to 101 wins, but we all went into last year with high expectations. So even though they improved by 24 games, which is an absurd number and the second highest improvement in the history of the franchise, it doesn't feel like last year was a surprise because we went into last year saying this team better win. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I think the expectations were so high. People forgot that they were so bad the year before. And again, it wasn't even like they were so bad for the first half of the season. They were really just bad the second half because they were up there. They were in first place until they weren't in first place. So I, you're right. Like I feel like with Steve Cohen, this team always has high expectations. So you're always going to forget about if they even have like a bad moment. Yeah, and I think you're right, though, about if you think about the way 2021 went, it was a bad final month and a half. For a big part of that season, the Mets were a first-place team. And so the season ended in disappointment, but we spent most of the year thinking the team was actually halfway decent. So it's odd. You improve by 24 games, and I don't think any of us would say, yeah, the 2022 season is the biggest surprise season in the history of the Mets. It's not even close because we went into the season – with huge expectations, but congratulations to the Giants. They are having that special kind of season. You know, I've, I've rooted for teams, the Mets, other teams I root for, where there are surprise seasons, but when you think about going into a year as a rebuilding season, which is really what the Giants were looking at, and you end up stunningly making the playoffs, and then, even after doing that, winning a playoff game, which is essentially going on a playoff run, that really is crazy. So congratulations to uh, the giant fans who happen to be Met fans. Now, as far as the Mets are concerned, let's start with Correa because we, obviously we know he's with Minnesota. We focused a lot on what happened on our last Rico Bronia, but we did get the Carlos Correa press conference, and we did get Scott Boris going on the offensive where Scott Boris is blaming the Mets and essentially asking, hey, how come the Mets went back and asked the Giants doctor, or at least the same doctor that advised the Giants this ankle is an issue, why did they go to him? Here's a quote from Scott Boris. He gave an interview with USA Today. I gave the Mets all the information. We had them talk to four doctors. They knew the issue the Giants had, and yet they still call the same doctor the Giants used for his opinion. There was no new information. So why negotiate a contract if you're going to rely on the same doctor? It was different with the Giants because a doctor had an opinion they didn't know about. But the Mets had notice of this. They knew the opinion of the Giants. So why did you negotiate when you knew this thing in advance? That's the comment from Scott Boris. Now, a couple of things. First of all, Scott Boris doesn't have a lot of credibility with many of us. This is a guy who not too long ago, Joe and I had on when we were doing our show. And I pushed him on Oliver Perez. And, eh, you know, that one was a disaster. And he still claimed, no, nah, it was a great contract. No, nah, it worked out. Now, when you really look at it, Oliver Perez was fantastic. So he's always pushing a narrative that benefits him. Now, am I denying the facts of what he's saying? that the Mets probably talked to the Giants doctor at some point, or at least the same doctor that had issues with Carlos's ankle. No, I don't deny that. I don't think that's the only doctor the Mets talked to, and I don't think that was the end-all, be-all. 
But sure, the doctor who advised the Giants, hey, stay away from this guy because this ankle is going to be a problem. I don't begrudge the Mets for talking to him. But I think Scott may be portraying this in a light where that's basically all they talked to and how they came to the conclusion that Correa's ankle was an issue. That's the story Scott Boris is trying to put out there. Again, the Mets wanted the player. But the Mets have to be smart when they're handing out a $300 million contract. And so I expect that the Mets do their, did their due diligence on this by not just talking to the doctor that raised concerns with the Giants, but talking to multiple doctors. But then I hear Carlos Correa at his press conference say, uh, you should have talked to my doctor, the guy who performed the surgery. Well, the guy who performed the surgery, you're going to trust him over an independent doctor who says this isn't going to hold up? And look, here's the truth. None of us know if this ankle is going to hold up. I have no idea. I don't think Scott Boris has any idea. But I don't look at it as the Mets just literally talked to one guy and that one guy is the one that put the fear of God into them about Carlos Correa's ankle. And a lot of this has to do with credibility. Scott Boris isn't going to come out and say, yeah, pretty much every doctor thinks the ankle's the crap, but we found the one schmuck who told Minnesota go for it. Like he's going to protect his client. And I understand why Scott Boris is bitter and why Carlos Correa is bitter. They signed multiple $300 million contracts and they couldn't seal the deal. And they couldn't seal the deal because there was legitimate concern about the ankle. As far as why the Mets still negotiated a contract knowing there was concern. I think that comes back down to the excitement that Steve Cohen had and the excitement that we had. We were the same. You know, as soon as we heard that the press conference was canceled and it looked like the deal between the Giants and Correa was falling apart, we all had the same opinion. Pete said it. Go get the guy. Let's go get the guy. Steve Cohen thought the same thing. We didn't even think for a second, hey, maybe there's a reason why this whole thing fell apart. So Cohen deserves some blame for this, no doubt. I think he acted like a fan, which is a part of the charm that he has. He heard Correa's available. He's on the phone with Boris as he's vacationing in Hawaii. And he says, yeah, let's make a deal. Not even thinking, we better check this ankle out. But look, that's why deals are pending physical. So even though Cohen aggressively made the offer, got Boris to agree with it, they still had to check out the ankle. And while Steve Cohen is in Hawaii on vacation, less than 24 hours after the press conference is canceled, obviously he's not going to know every detail about what concerned the Giants about the ankle. At that point, when you're on the phone with Boris, you can only take his word. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I don't know what Steve thought when he went to sleep that night in Hawaii after he signed them. I don't know if he thought, oh, this isn't going to be any problem at all. I'm sure Scott's right. The ankle's the greatest ankle ever. This won't be a problem. But obviously the Mets were going to go out and do their due diligence. 
And after they did it, and yes, I'm sure they talked to the same doctor that had concern about Carlos's ankle, they made the decision, let's cut this offer in half. Let's protect ourselves if he's go- if he's going to remain under contract past six years. Let's make him take a physical every year. Let's make him prove the ankle's healthy. And so that's why this whole thing fell apart, and he's a twin. And, you know, Carlos Correa had to sit there and explain to the fan base, yeah, this is where I wanted to be the whole time. Which is which is always tough for the player. You know, if you're the player, I guess you could try to be honest and say, look, I liked it here, I loved it here, but the Giants made me a really good offer and I was excited to go there. And then when that and then when that fell apart, the Mets made me a really good offer and I was excited to go there. Unfortunately, none of that worked out. Luckily, you guys made me a pretty good offer, and I'm excited to be back in Minnesota. <laughs> oh boy he couldn't just say he was guaranteed 150 million dollars more and it didn't work out so he <laughs> he sucked it up and got took the guaranteed money i mean that's basically what it comes down to you nailed everything as far as what what boris was was, was trying to spew to the media and to everybody uh, that he's pissed off at cohen and the mets that how dumb could they be go you know going for this one doctor etc cetera, etc cetera. but the reality is is no one not even Carlos Correa trusts his ankle, which is why he took the guaranteed money of $200 million with the Twins. In the end, he would have made more money with the Mets, but he doesn't trust his own ankle either. Let's be serious. Well, I think you're always going to take the guaranteed money. I can't blame the player for doing that. I would take the guaranteed money. You would take the guaranteed money. So yeah. I, don't know if that, I don't know if that means he doesn't trust his ankle more than it's, hey, I want to take the guaranteed money. I don't want to risk Anything that could happen over the next six years, but but you but hold on, you're t- we're we're talking about and you're right, the risk factor is always there, and I think that he was trying to give opt outs. Like uh, if you go through the Boris stuff, he's like, well, if he does it, if he misses fifty games or whatever it is, uh, some of it's not, uh, you know, it's not a guarantee. The guarantee doesn't go through, or there were right, some, right. some details in there. But I I get it. But you're gonna try to convince your fan base in Minnesota now. I'm where we're supposed to be. Meanwhile. Realistically, Mets would have paid him more money in general and had a chance to win another World Series. I think all of that, that feel, all of that aside, like money and championship or going to Minnesota for a little bit more money, wouldn't you still want to come here anyway? Everybody's different. You know, I can't begrudge him that because I still think most athletes in general are going to take the guaranteed money and they're going to take the most money. And the Minnesota Twins offered him the most money. I mean, they they just, they ultimately, they did that. Now, where does he have a better chance to win a championship? Obviously, with the way the Mets are spending and with town on the Mets roster, he has a better chance to win a title here. But Carlos Correa has already won a championship. And maybe when you've already got one, you don't feel the need to give up money to try to win another. And one other thing about, this Correa linked to the Mets this year and beyond. He will be linked this year because the Mets are not as good of a team because they don't have them. That's obvious. You know, we're going to talk about some of the other options on guys they can go after. And none of these guys are patches on the fanny of Carlos Correa. We all understand that. So the Mets as a team are not as good as if they had signed Carlos Correa in this short term. So I think for 2023, if Carlos Correa has a big season, and the Mets struggle offensively, this will be harkened back to a lot. 
I can't even promise that I won't harken back to it because at some point, if the Mets are sitting six games under 500 and their offense is sucking and Correa is the favorite to win the MVP in the American League, and I get it, I'm painting this extreme scenario, we're naturally going to say, hey, great decision not signing Correa. But here's why that's only a one-year thing, in my opinion. This franchise, whether it's Manny Machado or Shohei Otani or others, they're going to spend big in the future. They're going to spend big next year, the year after, the year after that. I think Steve Cohen is making that clear to us. So I think once they sign some other big free agent next offseason, you'll no longer think about Correa. I don't think he'll live in Met history the way a guy like Vlad Guerrero does or the way a guy like A-Rod does where he's the guy that got away because I think ultimately the Mets are going to go out next year. Not that I want to think about that now because I really don't, but I'm just making the point that a year from now, I think the link between the Mets and the what if with Correa goes away. But I think for this season, this upcoming year, there's going to be a lot of talk about Correa, especially if the Mets struggle offensively. No question. I, I think you nailed it. You're right. The um, next year, we don't want to talk about next year, but the reality is there will be there there won't be a player that the Mets aren't in on. There won't be free agents that are like, oh, the Mets never had a chance on him. I can't believe it. We're not missing out on a lot of guys. Like You said, oh, if Manny Machado opts out, if Shohei Otani's on the market, Mets are going to be in on one of those two. They're going to be in on both. They're no, both going to be Mets. Like, think think about that. I understand that we have a whole year to get there, and that's why I'm like, I'm a now guy. I want to see what the Mets can do now. That's why I was upset about the Korea thing. But hindsight 2020, if you're telling me Manny Machado and Shohei Otani are both on the Mets in 2024, holy crap. That's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, it's great. It's exciting. I don't want to become, because I'm already like this, I'm a basketball fan. You know, I love the NBA. But in the NBA, we think about free agents two years out. I don't want to do that in Major League Baseball. And that's the life we lived as Knicks fans and Net fans, where, oh, two years from now, LeBron's a free agent. Oh, wait, two years from now, Durant's a free agent. I got him, by the way. Oh, two years from now, Giannis is a free agent. Like, I don't want to do that. So while I understand Manny Machado's a free agent, I understand Shohei Otani's a free agent. Julio Urias is a free agent. Like, we went through this months ago in talking about the pitchers and why short-term contracts with Verlander and Scherzer make so much sense because there's a way to reload every two years. So I fully am aware of who's a free agent. I just don't want that to be something we're thinking about that much because... I don't want to think about it. I want to think about this season. Enjoy the I'll, moment. Enjoy yeah. the moment, dude. The, the reason why Nick fans and Net fans would dream about free agents a year or two in advance is because we had nothing else. Is because we looked at LeBron as a savior. Because we looked at Durant as a savior. Well, right now the Mets have a good team on paper. Now, would they have had a better team if they signed Correa? Of course. No one's going to argue that. But now it's over. He's not going to be a Met. But I do warn you, I do warn my fellow Met fans, and I, I will try my darndest not to be that guy. I, I'm trying. But if this offense struggles, if they're missing a bat protecting Pete, and it's obvious in the midst of this season, there are going to be moments where you, where me, where a lot of people listening, even if they don't want to, are going to utter, I wish we had Correa. But we don't. He's a twin. <laughs> 